As believers, we should be, of all people, thankful. Well, if anybody has reason to give thanks, it's us. Our God is good. He has blessed us in abundance. He has shown us His mercy and His grace. And we give thanks to our merciful God. We're going to read this morning from 1 Timothy. We've been looking at the book of Deuteronomy for the last several weeks. We concluded that a series asking questions, what does God want? So we're going to take a look quickly this morning in 1 Timothy in chapter 1. We'll be reading from the 15th, 16th, and 17th verse there in 1 Timothy, the first chapter. I guess all of us know that we're supposed to be a good example. You know, that's what your mama told you. You be a good example. You, know, you, you, you go out there and live the way you should. You do the things you're supposed to do. You be a good example of what you should be. Most of us don't leave our homes saying, I think I'm going to be a bad example today. I just don't feel really good about things. I think I'm just going to be a bad example. No, most of us don't do that. But Paul describes how he was both. He was a good example and what he calls the worst example. And we're going to see how both of those fit together in a wonderful way to describe the beauty and the power of God's amazing grace. That we look at what Paul describes here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'll start with the 15th verse. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus saves even the worst, even me. If there was anyone in the New Testament day who would would have been voted least likely to be a Christian, it would have been Paul. Paul gave his testimony on numerous occasions. We have several of those occasions recorded in the Scripture. No doubt he gave his testimony many, many more times beyond that. It was a story he loved to tell. In terms of social standing, in one way it seemed like Paul's life started out great, but in another way it started out really, really bad. Paul was at the top of his profession, the pinnacle of what society viewed as a really good guy. Today the term Pharisee has a little bit of a negative connotation. I don't think there's any of us that would want somebody to say, you're a Pharisee. We don't take that as a very kind statement today. But in the New Testament day, being a Pharisee was really great. Moms wanted their sons to grow up to be a Pharisee. Kids would cheer as Pharisees walked down the street. They were well known They were powerful, and they had it made. If you were a Pharisee, you could get the best table at the finest restaurant every time. Everybody wanted to be like the Pharisees. 
And Paul, his name was Saul at that time, he was at the top of the pyramid of Pharisees. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. Not only the kids, but the other Pharisees cheered as Paul came into town. You know, when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, they used to say everybody wants to be like Mike. Well, in the New Testament day, everybody wanted to be like Paul. <laughs> They'd see him coming and say, yeah, now that's a man. Now, now, why was that? Why was Paul so well-liked? Why was he so revered in so many places? Why did everybody know his name and want their children to grow up to be just like him? It was because he killed Christians. Really? That was where he had gained his respect, within his ability to go into a community and clean out the Christians. His life's purpose was to get rid of this Jesus problem, and he did it well. If there was a hall of fame of Pharisees, Paul's statue would be right there up front. But now as Paul looked back at all of that, he realized it was just a sham. In the name of religion, he had spit in God's face. He had persecuted those who were following God's Son. In seeking to fulfill the law, he had rejected the only one who had truly fulfilled the law. In persecuting Christians, he was persecuting Christ himself. And it's why Paul calls himself the worst of sinners. And he wasn't trying to be humble. He was not exaggerating in the slightest. He looked back at what he had done and it made him sick. This man who had been recognized as the cream of the crop, he realized he was the bottom of the barrel, the worst of the worst. I mean, how much worse could you be than to participate in the murder of not only innocent people, but of people who were serving the one true God that you claim to serve? And yet, Jesus saved even Paul. So if Jesus could save Paul, he can save anybody. He can save a former slave trader, a man by the name of John Newton, who not only would in his later life come to work to end slavery, but he wrote down the words that we know of as the hymn Amazing Grace. He could save an atheistic newspaper reporter who sought in every way that he could to write against what he saw Christians doing. And yet God changed his life through the grace of Christ. A man by the name of Lee Strobel who wrote, among several other books, The Case for Christ. God can save a heavy metal rocker, a guy by the name of Brian Welch, who used to sing with a group called Corn. He can save a former mafia mob boss, a fellow by the name of Michael Franzese, who now goes around telling people about the love of Christ. 
You can say even a vowed atheist, a man called Josh McDowell, who has dedicated his adult life to telling people about the Savior he once claimed didn't even exist. He can save a skeptical scholar, a man by the name of C.S. Lewis, who went on to write some of the most beloved Christian books in print. And the list could go on and on of people that Jesus is able to save. Jesus is able to save that neighbor that lives down the street from you. You know the guy. He never smiles. He's always got that grumpy look on his face and just sits out on the porch just shaking his finger at everybody. Jesus can save him too. That cousin that just had a hard life, she just made all the wrong choices when she was younger and and now she's Dropped off the map. You don't even know how to get a hold of her anymore. You were scared to death of her when you were a kid. And, and, and now you, you, you don't even know how you would reach her if you, you knew how. But, but wherever she is, whatever she's involved, Jesus can save her too. That child growing up in the home of an alcoholic who never hears the name of Jesus except when it is used as a profanity. Jesus can save that little child too. And by the way, Jesus can save that alcoholic too. Jesus can save anyone. If he can save Paul, he can save anyone. Anyone you know is not beyond the reach of the grace of Jesus Christ. If only by faith, they'll receive it. Jesus can save them all. Paul describes this amazing truth in no uncertain terms. He says there in verse 16, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might be displayed in His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul saw that Christ had saved him the absolute bottom of the barrel so that everyone would be encouraged to understand, hey, if if God could save Paul, He can save even me. Paul knew what he deserved. Paul recognized that he deserved nothing less than the worst, most painful corner of hell. He deserved for God to pour out His wrath on him. Paul had gone around arresting, persecuting, torturing, and yes, even killing the children of God, the people who had entrusted their life into God's hands. Paul went around persecuting them. And then Jesus in His marvelous grace had reached out to even Paul. And Paul says, if if God can save me, He can save you too. My Jesus can save anyone. How could that be true? He's writing these words to Timothy. Timothy was, 
was in a, a really difficult circumstance. He was in a church that was in turmoil. There was a lot of infighting going on. And then on top of that, they were being attacked from the outside. There were false teachers that were teaching all kinds of confusing teaching. And, and, and Timothy was just ready to throw in the towel. He was ready to give up and say, well, you know, I'm not doing any good here. Everything's just falling apart. And so Paul writes him, no, you stay firm and strong. You keep sharing the gospel because all those people that are attacking you, all those people who are disappointing you, all those people who are coming after you, Jesus can save them too. How could that be possible? Well, Paul says, he says there, now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Folks, nobody else can make this happen. Only the King of ages past and the King of all ages to come. Only the immortal, the one and only one who has defeated death. Only the invisible God, the God who is beyond our human ability to fully comprehend, that in His mercy has made Himself known to us. Only God. There is no other. No one else can accomplish this. No one else can do what we need. Only the eternal, immortal, invisible, only God. There are some things that you can get anywhere, like cashew chicken. Now, now true, outside of Springfield, it's kind of hard to find the real cashew chicken. But here in Springfield, you can get cashew chicken just about anywhere. I mean, you, you can go to a, a Chinese food restaurant and they'll, they'll have it on the menu there, cashew chicken. But you can go to a restaurant that serves Mexican food and they're right under the tacos and the burritos and they'll have cashew chicken. <laughs> you can go to an Italian restaurant and there with the pasta and, and the salads and there'll be right, cashew chicken. You can go to a steak restaurant. But you can get a T-bone, you can get a ribeye, or you can get cashew chicken. They have it everywhere. You, you, you can get it literally nearly anywhere you go in Springfield. Somebody will be serving some cashew chicken. And then there are those things that you can only find one place. Like my grandmother's sweet iced tea. Now, now I realize there's sweet iced tea in other places. I've been to places that have served iced tea, and I've even made sweet iced tea myself. Not even close. I didn't even like iced tea when I was growing up. But I loved my grandmother's sweet iced tea. Now, I realize it was probably more sugar than iced tea. But it was delicious. One of the things I'm going to do when I get to heaven, I'm going to find my grandmother, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to drink a cool glass of sweet iced tea. And you come find us, I'll let you have some too. I promise you, you won't regret it. <laughs> Paul's point throughout his letter to Timothy was to encourage this young pastor in a very difficult circumstance. Paul knew how rough it could get because Paul was facing some of the same things himself. He knew the disappointment. He knew the trials. He knew that Timothy was facing attacks from false teachers outside the church and attacks from people within the church. It was just a terrible situation. So he encourages Timothy to stand firm, to keep moving forward in the faith. And as he reaches this passage, he says why? He says, Timothy, you've got the only answer to all of this. 
You're not going to win by debating these people. You're not going to win by running away. You're not going to win by arming yourself. The only way that you can defeat what you're facing is through the God who's already won the battle. You have everything you need in Jesus. So he encourages Timothy to stand firm and just keep sharing the message of Christ. Because the message of Christ was the only one that would save. Only Jesus. Who is it in your life that you've been tempted to give up on? That that their life just has spiraled out of control so far that you've kind of just said, I don't know, there's just nothing to do here. Who is it in your life that you've been tempted to think they're just too far gone? There's no hope for them. Jesus can save them too. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've been put on the happy face to come to church. But Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you came to your family. Maybe you just thought this would be a good place to be. And, and so you kind of put on the, you know, the... The mask, not just this mask, but the mask of, oh, yeah, everything's okay in my life, but, but boy, inside, it's a turmoil. It's just a, a storm. And you're thinking, there's so much mess in my life. There's so many mistakes that I've made. There's so many bad decisions that I've made. There's no way that this could ever be made right. But you came here this morning with just a glimmer of hope. Just thinking maybe, just maybe, there's something to this Jesus. Well, if the Apostle Paul was able to be here this morning, he would say to you, hey, you want to talk mess? (laughs) I got mess in my life. I killed people for a living. People who were worshiping Jesus. And that same Jesus saved even me. And he would look you in the eye and tell you, Jesus, the Jesus who saved even me, he can save you too. And this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to know that Jesus. Now, we can't have the the regular invitation the the way we normally do it where we call people to come up to the front, but, but we want you to have an opportunity to respond to Christ this morning. And there in the pew racks before you, there's a, there's a card, and you can just write down your contact information there. We'll be glad to contact you and, and share with you from God's Word this extraordinary truth. Jesus can save anybody, even you. Or maybe there's some other way that God's working in your heart. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd be glad to share with you how you can be a part of what uh, God's doing here at National Heights. If you're watching us online, just email us at nhbc at nationalheights.org. The initials of our church, nhbc, and then the name of our church, National Heights and .org. We'll be glad to email you the information about how you can know Christ, how you can be a part of this church. Or maybe there's a prayer need that you had. We'd be, we'd be glad to be praying with you. You can just indicate that prayer need or email us that prayer need and we'll be glad to be praying with you. In whatever way God is speaking to you today, you listen. Responding to His call in your life 
today. 